This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hello and welcome to the Stockout. This is your show at Freight Waves for all things related to the CPG industry, the consumer packaged goods industry. I'm your host, Mike Bowden, just on the head of Intermodal Solutions here at uh, Freight Waves. And today is going to be a good show. We're uh, going to be discussing um, what's happening with Lou Yonder, uh, which is a software as a service company, does a lot with uh, automated warehousing, does a lot with vis- visibility and logistics space, does a lot specifically for big CPG companies and big retail companies. We're going to be speaking with Manish Gosh, VP of Industry Strategy and Consumer Industries at Blue Yonder. So um, that's what we're going to do today. Um, but before we do that, if anyone has not already signed up for the Stockout uh, newsletter, you can go to www.freightwaves.com forward slash the Stockout uh, to get that newsletter. Um, and uh, we also want to make an announcement here is that we are going to be combining the Stockout newsletter and show with the point of sale newsletter and show point of sale is the one that's focused on retail supply chains. The stockout's the one that's focused on uh, CPG supply chains. And uh, the thought process there was that, um, you know, Grace Sharkey does the the point of sale and, you know, her and I uh, work pretty well together on the radio show that, that uh, Grace hosts every, uh, every evening um, related when we talk about CPG companies and retail companies and that those topics are just so related and so much overlap. That um, instead of covering, let's say, Walmart's earnings in two different places, we can you know cover it in one place and have some back and forth talking about different perspectives between the retailer and the CPG companies. Uh, so um, you know, I think that'll be an improvement and make it a better product uh, overall. So um, you know, if you're already signed up for those newsletters, you don't have to do anything. We're going to combine those uh, distribution lists, uh, any point of sale, and the stockout um, is going to continue receiving those those newsletters. I think the final, um, you know, thought, uh, or initial thought is that we're going to continue to send those newsletters out on, on Thursday. I'm not sure if the show is going to continue to stay on Monday, but we're going to continue to call it uh, the stockout. So with that is a little bit of an update as to what's going on. I want to reserve most of the time today for an interview with uh, Manish Gosh. I'm going to like to bring on uh, Manish. He's the VP of Industry Strategy and Consumer Industries at uh, Blue Yonder. Uh, Manish, thank you for joining me. Sure. Thanks for inviting me and I'm very happy to be here. Yeah, that's great. So for those people that don't um, know uh, Blue Yonder very well, just not as familiar with all the things you do, why don't you give us a little bit of an, of an overview of the company and maybe specifically what you do for some of the companies in the in the CPG and retail space? Sure. Uh, so Blue Yonder is one of the largest outfit in the supply chain space. And uh, we engage in the supply chain from an end-to-end perspective. So over the years, uh, is is almost the 30, 32nd or the thirty third year of our uh, you know journey in this space. We do on uh, starting on the on the upstream of the supply chain, like the production planning, suppliers collaboration, going 
deep into the planning, into the strategic space, as well as into the tactical space, and then also into the execution uh, for uh, logistics and the warehousing. And we also have the front-end commerce, which kind of goes into the retail space, starting with uh, you know merchandising assortment and the retail solution, including doing activities in the stores. So it's truly an end-to-end uh, supply chain outfit uh, over three decades, as I said. And uh, that has been a quite a journey, uh, starting with quite a few acquisitions. And, uh, and in the recent years, with the uh, Panasonic acquisition of Blue Yonder, brought even more focus on the edge computing, uh, on the IoT, on machine learning and the artificial intelligence. And we have been investing a lot of R&D dollars into making uh, the solution modernized with the with the infusion of the machine learning and artificial intelligence. And then in recent time, also there have been a good collaboration with, with Microsoft uh, on the SaaS platform, as well as with Snowflake. So everything put together has been a very interesting journey for Blue Yonder. Yeah, so you really handle just a tremendous amount of things. Like you said, I mean, end-to-end um, and just uh, sort of everything that kind of can go wrong and does go wrong supply chain. Um, it, it seems like you have at least some solution for that, some you know, added visibility into that. You know, what are you hearing from customers right now? It seems like we've gone through, you know, a period during the pandemic where a lot of CPG companies just, you know, maybe struggled with not having the right ingredients, not having the right packaging, not having enough people, et cetera. Some of those issues have become at least somewhat alleviated uh, on stock rates are, are higher. Um, you know, what are the biggest concerns you're hearing from customers now? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. I mean, when I reflect this on the consumer companies and what has happened over the last couple of years, given the pandemic and then we are coming out of the pandemic, uh, especially when you talk about the consumer industries, we didn't really hear that much of disruption in the past. The, the production side, the sourcing side were relatively unconstrained, meaning, uh, you know, we didn't really saw a lot of, you know, kind of concern coming on the inbound side, but the pandemic and what has happened for last three years have changed everything. There is a lot of disruptions now happening on the supply side, especially on the on the raw material side, uh, on the inbound transportation. So the disruptions are just far too many uh, than the factories sometimes is not able to operate because of the low turnover on the labor. So it's been it's been a roller coaster when it comes to the uh, you know supply chain in general in terms of the disruptions and uh, the changes and the fluctuations of demand and the pack size everything put together in the market and also the inbound. So uh, it's it's been it's been quite a roller coaster as I said in terms of the changes in the supply chain space. Uh, it's really multiplied and exploded almost in terms of the disruptions happening in the supply chain space. And hence, the the role of supply chain is possibly uh, manifold if you just even compare a couple of years back. Yeah, it does seem like supply chain has been certainly elevated in the minds of the, the C-suite that, you know, maybe it's not just for a CPG company 
the marketing and the merchandising and branding and all those things are really what's important. It's 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 you know supply chain and having those high you know in stock rates. Um, you know, how do you think about you know CPG company like let's say you know you you mentioned all those disruptions. Hear a lot about CPG companies building um, resiliency into their supply chains, maybe having additional suppliers, additional distribution centers, additional points points of entry. How, how do you uh, think about balancing that with just the desire to have a simplified network, which might have fewer of those things and less costs overall? Um, any thoughts there? Yeah. So um, the, the, I mean, in terms of Thinking about the sourcing options, thinking about uh, flexibility in the supply chain is is obviously in our cons- in our customers' mind. They have been continuously looking for bringing in that amount of flexibility and the resiliency in the supply chain uh, in terms of the network, in terms of the fixed asset they invest on, and the sourcing network they create. But in spite of that, the the disruptions are quite unpredictable. It's it's in a scale where it's happening every second, every minute, and 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 to cater to that is where the resiliency comes in. So the expectation is that I have this network and I have done everything I could do in terms of debottlenecking that network as much as I can do. But then, as and when disruptions happens, how can I quickly get back to normalcy in terms of, and then my my network can still deliver. So that flexibility and the resiliency is is quite important to all our customers. So as they invest into more network options, uh, but then the knowledge and the intelligence saying this disruption has happened and hence this is the best option, that scenario and then validating hundreds of scenarios and saying this is the best option works for us this is profitable this makes sense to us and this brings us back if not the full normalcy but close to normalcy that kind of intelligence they're asking from the supply chain because of the multitude of the disruptions happening and it's just humanly impossible for the planners to go and run through scenarios and see what best work for them hear that Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's impossible to predict a disruptive event. They're almost like black swan events where it's just, it's kind of out of left field, but then you have to respond to that very quickly. And just the more visibility you have, the, the more you're able to do that with, without being as disruptive. I mean, you, you talk a lot about visibility at Blue Yonder. Where do you think visibility is most lacking for, for most big shippers? So, I mean, if you, if you just consider the, the supply chain on the two ends. The left-hand side is where uh, your sourcing network and the right-hand side is your customers. So uh, there is an you know explosion happening on the right-hand side given the number of, of channels and we just starting to say consumer of one. So given 
that many options and the explosion of the channels, it is almost uh, it's almost impossible that where the customer would buy, where they would you know pick it up from, and where they would return. And that's that's obviously is very complex in terms of really understanding that behavior and how consumer is going to interact with the different channels. So that's one part of the puzzle. However, the the pandemic has also brought the complexity on the sourcing side because of the geopolitical situation and the disruptions and the labor crisis, transport crisis, fuel price, that also have thrown a lot of spanners into the uh, inbound or the insourcing or the outsourcing model. So the visibility is really needed from an end-to-end perspective saying, if I have this, this issue emerging on the inbound side, how can I connect that with all the demand I have on the channel side? And by the way, the channels could be hundreds. So bringing that visibility in terms of there is an impact, there is a disruption, what, what it is really impacting across the channel? Can I really connect that? Can I really show that given this delay, here are so many orders or so many customers are going to get impacted. I guess that's where the customers uh, would need the visibility on their side because they have already placed an order and the CPG companies are starting to put all kinds of measures to saying, I, I, need to, I need to let my customers know that here is the problem and here is when this can get resolved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which would go a long way to uh, maintaining relationships with the retailers and maybe avoiding the on-time and full fees and, and, and all of those things. Um, so that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you, you mentioned um, sort of early on that you're doing more with incorporating AI and machine learning. Um, we'd love to hear a little bit more about how you do that at the Yonder. Sure. So uh, from a Blue Yonder perspective, the machine learning and the AI is the is the front and center uh, of, of all the discussion. I mean, if any functional use case need to come up, uh, we, we first start looking into it through the lens of machine learning and artificial intelligence. I mean, that's kind of the, uh, the almost the default approach to anything or any of the use cases we are talking about. Having said that, the infusion has happened a great lot into the, into the demand sensing side because of the, of the channel explosion uh, and the seasonality of the demand, and there are so many attributes which are really impacting the demand. So it's it's kind of no-brainer that there is a lot of infusion happening on the demand side of the demand sensing side where machine learning and artificial intelligence is kind of starting to take the forecast to the next level where it's not just the, you know, the earlier version where we used to look at shipment and then do a forecast is now becoming more consumption-based really happening what's, uh, you know, what's happening in the stores and what kind of attributes, you know, what kind of game or any event which is happening in the in the vicinity and how this is impacting demand. So demand side is an easy candidate. However, from a blue perspective, as I mentioned in the, in my previous, uh, in the early part of the discussion, they're saying we're going truly end to end. Now the question is, uh, when the disruption happens or when the change is happening in the network, how quickly I can run through, uh, you know, infinite number of scenarios and put the AI and the ML and saying, look, I have so many scenarios to consider, but as soon as I consider maybe 40% or the 50% of the scenarios, 
I'm starting to, you know, getting to a point where I already like those scenarios. So those infinite scenario evaluation and getting to a point saying this is good enough for the current crisis. That's another place where we're using quite a bit of, you know, machine learning and artificial intelligence. And not to mention as you go into warehousing, as you go into transport, there are huge opportunities to start using robotics and, uh, you know, sustainability effort and so on and so forth. Those are also places in the functional bucket where ML and AI being used, uh, you know, pretty intensely. But then the two things which I would really mention about these end-to-end scenario evaluation and then also on the demand side. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's really um, interesting that you, you run all these different scenarios, which it seems like that way you can really quantify the risk that, um, you know, there's some disruption someplace and then you know, understand where the biggest risks are and then take uh, steps to mitigate those particular, you know, risks. Um, so, so all those things just seem really, uh, you know, valuable. Um, you know, I wanted to ask you about, I mean, you do a lot with like automated, you know, warehousing, which I think is pretty interesting how they're, you know, a lot of warehouses are getting to be more vertical, more closer to consumption centers, how a lot of the picking for final mile is done, you know, automatically, um, you know, where do you think the industry is, is now with, with automated warehousing and, and, and where do you think it's going? Yeah, so the the large consumer companies, especially with a very large portfolio, and uh, and also the uh, you know the sheer volume and size of the of the network is uh, forcing them to look into uh, warehouse execution, and also in terms of the robotics coming in, is is uh, is is almost becoming it de facto standard for the industry. So we have quite a few large customers who are heavily investing into the warehousing on the execution side and more importantly on the robotics hub to make sure that they're bringing in more and more automation. So that's kind of the large warehouse kind of uh, behavior. But at the same time, there are also micro-fulfillment centers coming in, which which, which obviously has uh, you know lower complexity but then uh, the speed of operations is very high. It's kind of almost like a cross dock, uh, and and being used as uh, a you know servicing point for the for the larger cities and so on and so forth, or trying to be very close to the market. And the, and the level of automation is 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 more into quick scaling of operation, getting in, getting out. That's kind of automation being looked at versus the large warehouses where the robotics and the uh, you know, tasking uh, and you know, making sure giving a lot more intelligence to the uh, to the labor force, how the movement should be, and how best optimize the flow of the goods within the warehouse. That is where a lot more automation and uh, you know, machine learning are being invested into to make it more more and more efficient. Yeah, it seems like that's an area that um, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot more efficient, still has a long way uh, to, to go, I think, overall, but it's um, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it really seems like that's an area that the, the machine learning is going to have a big impact. Um, we want to ask you also about just uh, some of the CPG companies, and they have these uh, you know, sustainability goals that are saying we're going to take a certain amount of you know, carbon out of our supply chain. You know, can they use you know, a system like Blue Yonder to see um, you know, the, the, the carbon sort of footprint at, at all different points in the supply chain since you are sort of an end-to-end network and maybe have something. I mean, some of the CPGs companies are even putting like 
carbon labels on the on the products now but you know you want to have something to not open yourself up to greenwashing so it has to be like like auditable is that something they're using you know you guys for yeah so we have we are we are seeing the 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 traction more on the transportation side so as the transport optimization happens and the carrier selection happens there are already enough pull in the market saying you know as i choose the carrier i want to make sure that I'm giving more loads to the carriers who are more, who are who are more, you know, who are bringing in greener vehicles or electric vehicles. So, as we create the outbound loading or the inbound loading through the transportation process, within the optimization, uh, it's now already inbuilt to start looking into what is the total carbon footprint of that particular transport loading process and start giving more credit. Or, or more load to the carriers who are more carbon neutral. So, and then, you know, as you as you build the the transportation loads and the routing, you then start reporting in the dashboard saying, for this month, uh, here is what uh, we have, you know, reduced the carbon emission as compared to the last month and the previous year and so on and so forth. So that the dashboard is continuously reflecting it, and at the same time, it is also trying to calculate saying this is really equal to that many number of trees. So every optimization engine we have, we are starting to incorporate that level of, of detailing. It's easy to do on the transport side because of the, uh, you know, the carriers are already becoming compliant to that. But when it comes to the production footprint on the supply chain side, I guess there is still some more work to do. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it is it is hard to get a fully end-to-end uh, to, to really see that, that the visibility on the carrier side. You know, some of them have low rolling resistance tires. They have all the aerodynamic features. They have new trucks and trailers. And it's just, it's just some are better about that than, than others. Um, you know, I want to ask you sort of one final one on um, this this issue of uh, prom- promotion. So a lot of CPG companies, um, you know, starting to maybe get concerned about volume. There, there's a bear thesis on, on Wall Street that they're going to have too many promotions, things like buy one, get one free deals, and that's going to hurt their margins. You know, I saw something on your website where you're looking at at data to suggest that, um, you know, it sort of tells the companies which of the products maybe should be either discounted or as, as part of some kind of promotion and, and, and which ones there's enough in, in inventory. Can you talk a little bit about that? I thought that was interesting. Sure. So we, we, do, we do quite a few stuff on the, on the ML side when it comes to, which we something call as a promo optimization. So, so essentially, you know, when you look into the promo, you have this, you know, kind of discounts and so on and so forth. And for uh, some of our CPG, uh, you know, subsectors like the fresh fruit, or I mean, fresh food, or, uh, or, or or even the kind of fashion industries, uh, so, so discount is is one of the lever, right? So you you just kind you you, you kind of have a a promo baskets where you have, you know, option one, option two, option three. It could be you know, discount as an option one, buy one, get one could be your option two, and there are many other options. Now, what the promo optimization does, given it has the knowledge of what has happened historically, and, you know, ML does a good job in terms of reading those and, and getting trained more and more. So at the end, the what the promo modeling does is it comes back and say, you have a better chance if you go discount as compared to if you go uh, giving a buy one get one, and and from an investment standpoint, this seems to be more optimized. So that is the kind of decision 
our customers are making, uh, as I said, especially into the seasonal goods, into the you know low shelf life goods, where they're using the promo optimization quite a bit and making those decisions to either to bring discount or to bring, uh, you know, more offers and so on and so forth. But you're absolutely right. We see this being used very heavily in uh, in in the perishable and 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 the fashion goods, but also into beauty gear, where the promo is very rampant and then customers are looking, I mean, our CPG customers are looking for that optimization capability. Yeah, it's great to bring um, analytics and data to those uh, to those decisions instead of just kind of looking at a spreadsheet or just sort of doing it um, based on gut feel. So I, all that is, it seems uh, just really valuable uh, to me. Um, that's about all the time we have. Uh, thanks so much for, for joining me on the Stockout. And where can folks uh, reach out to you and find out more about Blue Yonder? Sure. I mean, uh, so... Uh, I'm happy to share my my detail. I'm sure uh, the I'm on the LinkedIn, and then uh, please reach out to our website, and then happy to get into any any detailed discussion. And uh, yeah, find us there. Yeah, and maybe just a quick rundown: what what industries do you all uh, serve at, at at Blue Yonder? What um, shipper verticals, other than CPG and retail, that we talked about? Is it is it pretty much everything? Yeah, I mean we do. I mean the the the. The important verticals where we are in, in in manufacturing, I mean, we we consider, we bring the CPG under manufacturing umbrella. Uh, so we do CPG, we do high-tech and electronics, we do automotive and industrial. Uh, we also do life science and pharma. That's kind of under manufacturing. Retail, as we said, we do, we do the grocery, hard line, soft line. And we also have a big vertical for 3PL, a 4PL as well, because of our execution portfolio. So we have a lot of large, you know, 3PL customers as, you know, with, with Blue Yonder for many years. That's great. So you really cover a lot. Um, so thanks for that. And it was a great discussion and hope everyone has a good day. Thank you so much for having us. Oh.